Hello and welcome to WWJT. What would Jesus tech? Would Jesus use technology? Would he go to a CES conference? Well, we're talking to Joel Jacob right now, live on location. Joel, how's it going? It's good. I'm pumped, you know, as with all the other techies here. There's a lot of excitement, a lot of innovation. Um, yeah, a little bit of a Mecca in a sense. Yeah, if, if you were Muslim, you would go to Mecca. If you are a technology enthusiast, you go to CES. It is the place where people head. Is it really that big? Like, I don't have a good context for this. Is it the biggest? Because I worked in HR, so there is HR tech conferences specifically, and there was like the bigger ones and the smaller ones locally. And then when I worked in project management, there was those kind of conferences, but none of those felt huge. CES feels like it's, because technology is such a big deal, it's a big conference, right? Yeah, I think it's probably one of the biggest conferences they have, they have here in Vegas. It takes most of uh, the hotel exhibition centers. So it's not just like one hotel. Like typically, if you do a conference in Vegas, you're like, oh, we just have one exhibition. So you'll have the whole convention center. You'll have like other hotels, exhibition centers. So it's, you got to spend three days to walk the entire thing. Right. And is it mostly products, people selling it, that sort of thing, new tech. I saw Sony did a presentation. I saw there was robots. I saw you posted a video on your Instagram of a urinal device. I yeah, it's, was it's very confused. I think health tech, maybe partly because of the pandemic, has really accelerated. So there was quite a few, you know, like urinal techs where it's looking at, you know, what are you drinking? Are you hydrated? What minerals do you have? You know, how can we improve your health? I think it is interesting that it is such a, a mecca, such a huge event. Um, and it kind of has a religious energy to it. I, I listened to some of the Sony talk because they've already posted that. And they're using language like, you know, what does it mean to be human? What's our purpose in life? You know, we want to connect people to one another. And they're using these statements that, yeah, they're pithy, but they're drawing from religious language. And it is a it is a religious experience to be there. Would you agree? Disagree? Am I overstating that? Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's interesting. Like CES isn't necessarily now the convention where everyone's announcing their latest products. Like Apple will do that at their own events. People will do that at their own events. So it's not as big as it used to be, but it still has this... Hey, everyone's coming. You can network. You can see what people are launching this year. Um, you, and the biggest thing is there are kind of closed door events. So if you're close to the vendor, they'll invite you to a suite and they'll show you, hey, this is coming out in the next three to five years. Um, so like five years ago, I saw foldable display phones. And you'll see a lot of kind of early tech in their prototype phases when in, in these backdoor events. So Joel, I know you are not the Apostle Paul, but in Acts 17, verse 16, it says that while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, we could say while Joel was waiting for the sessions to start in Las Vegas, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. You know, is this full of idols? And then it said, it says in this text that what Paul did, did is he reasoned in the synagogue with both the Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day, and this is a marketplace, that's where you're at. And then he he discussed with the philosophers, he began to debate, they, they questioned him, they asked him what he's teaching. He stands up and says, people of Athens, I see that you are, 
you are religious in every way. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, are these objects of worship, Joel? You know, I found an altar to the inscription to an unknown God. And then he points them to God. Like Paul uses the technology of their day that was leading to idol worship to say, no, 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 this points to something greater than these idols, something not made by human hands. And maybe that's what we could find out is this technology that's being built can actually be good. Maybe God actually sovereignly wants all this tech to be built and it can be used for good in the world. So that's what we'll see when we get you on the floor. Yeah, it's fun to see. Excited. All right. Joel, you are on the floor right now. You are looking at not the latest technology, but the technology of tomorrow, like the prototypes of the technology that will eventually be sold. So what are you seeing? What's what's out there? All right. So right behind me, you have a smart car seat by the company Baby Arc, which hmm, a little bit of a biblical name there, Baby Arc. <laughs> They're carrying babies safely on the journey in the car. But it was a big focus from, I believe, like a NASA engineer who became a parent and said, hey, why are the materials we're using in car accidents not good? Plastic and styrofoam. Let's use some really highly energized, uh, highly um, impact absorption material. Um, something else interesting, they have 15 sensors in the bottom to let you know if the seat's installed correctly, which... Okay, I find that useful. Sometimes really annoying. Um, yeah, people screw up car installing seats car seats a lot. Yeah, but the last one is like if you've left your child in the car, I'll send you a notification. Which who's forgetting to take their child out of the car? <laughs> I don't know. So did some, you know your values? kid is still in the seat? Did you, yeah, you forgot. Maybe people really hectic, busy lives, and they forgot to take their child out of the car seat. I don't know. That's the more crazy. I think about I, it, I feel like it could happen to some people. Yeah. I mean, people get distracted, right? Now that's, I mean, it's interesting, right? It's in some ways I'm like, this is a waste of money. In some ways I'm like, oh, it's kind of cool. Has some interesting, interesting things. All right. What else are you seeing, Joel? All right. Something else I saw really cool is the Yarbo. I guess it's um, autonomous What's snowblower, autonomous lawnmower, autonomous leaf blower sort of um, modules so you take one and you can swap those different modules on um, which you know you start and you think okay maybe it's just if you're like too lazy but imagine it's a really cold time. snowstorm yeah you can save time spend more time with your family you know it's come look at that look at that it's <laughs> it's rugged um there's another yeah, it says on their website they can do all terrains it says you know they can handle different like scenarios like a kid runs in front it's not gonna run over your kid with its blades for the lawn you know it, it, it's a way to it's a way to save time that's for sure like the the website is pretty pretty cool um and it's got all these like different components it, i'm skeptical and frankly i like getting exercise through the winter in shoveling my own snow and this kind of goes back to andy crouches like we were designed as humans to be mobile, be physical, and to disconnect that. Right. You know, it's kind of like, oh, go get the Yarbo doing everything for you and then pay for a gym membership. It's like, well, maybe you should just shovel your own snow and mow your own lawn. Um, 
but it's it has some intrigue it has some intrigue for sure yeah i think there are definitely scenarios maybe not shoveling snow but where it's dangerous for humans to go out um you know on a remote remote oil rig or something like that where it could be explosions so using robotics where you don't want to go and put yourself at risk so it's it's on the edge of that line i would say yeah, it's just wild. And like, it, it's like a pet almost like it has a little house that it goes back to and then it, it'll do that automatically, like it figures out how to drive itself. And then it'll drive back to its little home charge up all on its own. While you sip your coffee from inside, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty wild. <laughs> All right, what else is there, Joel? All right, here we got the Tatumel bike. Okay, um, so it's a bike? It's an electric motorbike that can be folded into a suitcase. So what? you can bring that with you on your trips. Yeah, that's pretty wild. What? Put it on a plane with you, and then all of a sudden you hop out of the plane in the airport and you just ride through? I don't know. That's, that's cool. That's cool. All right, what else are you seeing? Truth press. The truth brush? What does it do? Read scripture to you while you brush your teeth? I think we should start a new idea. Read scripture while you brush your teeth. And you have to finish a passage to know you're done. <laughs> is, is that what this product actually is, Joel? Or are you trying to it's invent a, something right now? This is a WWJT product line <laughs> coming in the future. <laughs> um, but this is, yeah, Oral, Oral B, or no, Candy Bell. Create the toothbrush was the world's first multi-tenant, fully automatic and universal solution for seamless toothbrush tracking. And it really seems like, yeah, aimed at young kids, making, gamifying it for them, I guess, so they know to brush their teeth and not forget, and they're excited to brush their teeth, which sometimes can be quite annoying to always be like, you got to brush your teeth. Um, yeah, and I can see yeah. if it has some sort of smart, it's like, wait a second, you've only brushed your teeth for 10 seconds. You got to do it for longer or whatever. So, and what was the other thing that you were, lo you were looking at some sort of ADHD testing, like genetic yeah, testing? Yeah, there's this interesting DNA test kit, I'll show you right here, um, which ADHD bank, and they say it's especially effective for young children, persons with disability or mental, mental health diseases, which diagnosing ADHD can be harder to do. Well, and genetic testing has seen like a massive explosion. Obviously there's, it's a recent development to understand our genetics and understand their impact. And so there's lots of, there's lots of new products, I guess, that are going to take advantage of this. But then you have to ask yourself as a parent, you know, do you want to know that super early or do you want to deal with it as it comes? And it's never a hundred percent, you know, according to a recent meta-analysis, just finding this online, the heritability of ADHD is estimated at 77 to 88%. So if it's not 100%, you're going you're gonna to be like, wait a second here. Okay, yeah, maybe my parents had something like this, maybe not. This test says I do. And sometimes less information is better, in my opinion. Like, I think some, some parents freak out too much based around doing a whole bunch of testing instead of just parenting well. But maybe it's yeah. useful in some circumstances. Yeah. I, I know for some medical diseases, you kind of want the clarity of what the 
prognosis should be, and you need to add some extra tests in order to do so. So might make sense. As a consumer product, I get nervous. As doctors handling it, I'm a little bit more understanding when it's in. Yeah, and this one, this one's partnered with uh, dedicated physicians and stuff like that. And I do know right. that genetic technology is going to have a big upswing, like even like um, farm, pharma, where it's like, you're getting pills that are tailored around your DNA. So you know that it's more effective or less effective um, based on your genetics. So there's, there's a lot that's going to grow in this space. Hmm. Cool. What else are you seeing? The 2023 Consumer Electronics Show has more than 3,000 exhibitors featuring innovative gadgets like electric rollerblades and a voice-controlled toy dog. Organizers hope to attract 100,000 people between today and Sunday. Last year's show was scaled down because of COVID-19. And it's not just gadgets grabbing our attention right now. We are getting some glimpses into high-tech vehicles. It even had a sequence where you walked up to the vehicle and the vehicle would greet you. So the lights would come on. There would be an avatar of the driver. So there's this vehicle that like can change colors. Did you see that, Joel, yesterday? I haven't seen it, no. It's just, it kind of looks ugly, if I'm honest. It's like, do you really need your car to be 32 different colors? I don't know. And to change colors when you walk up to it? And then it's all about digitization. It's all about connecting with your car in unique ways. Are there some cars that are generating more buzz than others? Yes. We have, of course, you know, um, a, a big, actually, debut that came last night from Sony and Honda. This was together, they unveiled their new electric brand. Uh, they showed a, a sedan electric vehicle. Sony really stole the show wow. years ago when they showed their electric vehicle. And now they've partnered with Honda uh, and they say they're gonna bring this to market in 2025. And we also have, of course, you know, flying cars. That's a big theme here. You know, it's all about mobility. Um, Aska has showed their A5 flying car. And this is basically a vehicle you can drive on the ground. And then it'll actually, you know, fly up in the air vertically. They say it's going to have a range of 400 kilometers. And they're hoping with this vehicle that they're actually going to start a ride-sharing service by 2026. So we'll see what happens. There's, of course, a lot of barriers to... Flying cars, Joel. Flying cars. It's happening at CES 2023. And apparently this is going to be live in the next five years. There, there could be flying cars. You drive it on the road and then you're like, okay, helicopter time. Yeah, actually, um, a lot, there's a segment called VTOL, vertical takeoff. Um, and that's where flying cars could actually be, be a thing that finally happens. You know, people have been staying for, I don't know, 30, 40 years the Jetsons flying cars are coming and we might actually be closer than we thought. Yeah. It's wild. And yeah, I mean, obviously electric cars are the way of the future from an environmental perspective, though these, these like lithium batteries is, is not lithium, a non-renewable energy source. I'm like kind of nervous about that. We should have some uh, individuals on the podcast to speak to that in more detail. Um, But it is kind of cool seeing the competition, Sony trying to compete on the electric car front, which is kind of cool. All right, Joel, what do you got now? All right, so I'm actually at the Venetian, which is one of the hotels with an exhibition center in it. 
Um, and around me, there's actually quite a few different tech verticals. So yeah, behind me you have food tech. Um, you know, here's a new technology. It's cooking with light, um, but it gets you to start thinking about: Are we going to get to one day where you put these cartridges of fat and carbs and hit start, and it 3D prints you a meal? And is that good? Is it like saves you cooking and you have the same delicious meals? Not sure. And you have like on this side here, we have Kohler, which is doing like smart showering. Um, you press a button, turn the temperature you want, and it instantly goes to exactly that temperature. Maybe Ooh, you're not going to get No more of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like that's yeah. the classic trying to find the perfect temperature, but you like don't have the right. technology to do it. It's just a handle and it never, you never get it right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then they have your own like infinity pool here that you can have for your en suite. It so, seems a little, I mean, a little luxurious. Money, <laughs> yeah. Um, then you have ring over here, which I'm sure everyone's familiar with. So they have uh, a house and they're like showing you all the ring products. Um, what are the ring the products? I'm have... not familiar, Joel. I am not familiar. I'm not a techie like you. You've been in the industry. Um, you know everything. Here, I'll show you this wall. So they have this 10 years of innovation of ring product walls. So they have doorbells, smart lights, smart locks, um, smart security, all sort of more exterior focused, I believe, smart home devices. Connect your home and to then, the internet and benefit is the idea. Yeah. And then over here, we have this um, age tech, which, you know, hearing the term age tech, I was like, what is the goal here? Is it to live longer? Is it like trying to figure out a way to live forever? But as I start to dig into it, there's, it's, um, you know, helping people with dementia or other disabilities live better lives or reduce that and work on research around that. So some very cool stuff happening in all yeah. sorts of different verticals. Cool. I have to take back my uh, my questioning to you about the urinal, the smart urinal, because I think there's actually a good application for that. So I was watching a video. Can I show you the video? Then there's the U-Scan from Withings, which is the first hands-free connected home urine lab. And thank goodness that it's hands-free because, well, you stick this thing in your toilet and every time you go to the bathroom, you'll get a reading right to your smartphone, measuring data like water balance, acid-base balance, and even ovulation tracking. After okay, so that last part, like if you're a Christian and you believe that you should not use contraception or you're struggling with infertility and you don't want to go the route of IVF or, you know, those more invasive technologies, you might feel a conviction there. We'll have to deal with that in a future episode. But tracking ovulation can have its benefits for women who are trying to figure out where they're at in their cycle and all that kind of stuff. And that's a particularly useful thing if you're a catholic christian or a protestant christian trying to follow that element of social teaching so i mean this is where technology can be helpful for those who are more conservative in their ethical approaches which is interesting right like sometimes we think right oh if you're super conservative you know if you're going to be that approach then obviously the technology is not for you but it might be the opposite in certain circumstances where some of this technology could be really beneficial yeah well, that's really interesting technology can enable you to 
abide by your values and ethics um, easier. Yeah, for sure. And it, and there's there's just a lot of very cool stuff. Like one thing that I saw that they're showcasing. This pen from a company called Nua, I believe that's how you pronounce the name. It's a pen that converts your notes into digital text, which really doesn't sound that crazy and has been something that's been around for a while. But what is intriguing is that this works on any paper or really anywhere you happen to be writing and then sends all of that information over to your devices, which is kind of nice and you can check it out all on the app. Usually these products require some sort of special pen and paper, but this just has all of the tech built into the pen. I mean, that's just super cool. Like uh, that, that intelligence in a pen so that you can use physical pen and paper because love people love taking physical notes, especially I think about in meetings, it's far more intrusive to bring a laptop to a meeting. But if you could just have a yeah. smart pen, take notes, and then it's automatically converted because um, sometimes taking a picture of it adds a step that's difficult, you know, because there are technologies that do that too. Anyways, it's just very cool. Yeah, so I think like in general, like CES, you're just going to see a lot of these unique new products that's going to inspire you to think about what are we creating? You know, what should we be creating and what's coming up next? Um, so that's really why I, I do enjoy coming here. Um, it's really, yeah, to be inspired. It's like kind of going ironically for a walk in nature where people are like, okay, wow, look at this beauty. Um, but now you're almost like, okay, look at this like man, man-made kind of beauty. That's a reflection of, you know, the creator's created beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure when Adam and Eve were walking with God in the garden, because that's that's what it's described as, there was beauty in that. There was all the color, all the sounds of the rivers. And yeah, in heaven, it's going to be a city, right, Joel? So it's going to look a little bit more like what you're walking around in rather than a garden. There will still be the four rivers. You hear, you see that in Genesis. There will still be nature in heaven, but it will also have a lot of man-made stuff and women-made stuff too, just to be gender inclusive here. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Blowing my mind. <laughs> yeah, God is the creator of all things, including technology. So maybe what we'll do is we'll let you um, have some fun, Joel. You'll continue, and then we'll we'll jump back on the podcast in a more sound appropriate environment, and we can reflect on it maybe after you're you're done your day or your your, your days there in uh, Las Vegas. Awesome. All right. Well, excited to talk more. Yeah. Take care, Joel. All right. All right, Joel. You're back from the conference, and. How was it? I mean, this is going to be weird on the podcast because they will feel like they were just at the conference, but we're going to put it all in one episode. So, you know, it's it's now Tuesday, January 10th. We're like two, three days out from when the conference ended. How are you feeling? Tired? Yeah, I'm feeling, feeling good. Definitely feeling tired. Um, I think you forget how overwhelming it can be. Just talking to so many people, seeing so many different things is a lot to process. And ultimately, you're never able to see everything. Uh, and maybe part of me was like, oh, I have to see everything, but you just can't. So you end up choosing like, yeah, do I want to see the big products or the small people tinkering away and and you make your own experience, but I'm good. Do you have a bit of like FOMO, fear of missing out? Because that's, if you're in technology, you want to know the latest, the greatest tech, is, is that part of it? Yeah, totally. And I think 
there's a lot of people who are covering it. So I'm sure you can like just Google online, but because you're there in person, you're like, oh, I have to make the most of it. So I was up to like 30,000 steps a day, basically. <laughs> Which, Good exercise. Yeah. I mean, I subscribe. Well, I don't sub, like pay them, but I, I, I use an RSS reader called Feedly. And that's how I access all of TechCrunch's articles and the amount of articles they put out just in the last few days. Like there's so much information about technology. It can be so overwhelming for sure. Um, it definitely, one thing that struck me, I didn't go to the conference, but observing you in our conversations throughout, I couldn't believe how much money <laughs> there was. I knew there was a lot of money in tech. I knew there was a lot of money in both Silicon Valley and where you were, Death Valley. But, you know, tech people make a lot of money. Yeah. But a lot of the products are made for rich people. You know, you think about all of these resources given to these individuals and then they get spent catered towards rich individuals. Like even the company I worked at before, Plum. It was originally like serving small businesses and medium-sized businesses. But over time, you start to realize that our margins are greater. We're going to be able to scale better. The investors like it when we hit those large corporations. And so our product went in that direction. Um, and then all of a sudden, we're making the product for these big corporations rather than the, the corner shop. And I just wonder about technologists and this tendency to focus on making money, you know, rather than serving the poor, you know, and what was Jesus about? Yeah, no, I think it's an interesting dilemma that I think a lot of people in technology have to think about. Um, and products I, cost a lot of money at first too. Like it, like to be an early adopter, you got to be rich. Yeah. Just like the science of industrialization, right? It's like, when you make the first phone ever, it took you two years of painstaking work. And that's a lot of hours, R&D hours, right? So you need some way to justify investing in, right? It's like even the funds to cross the ocean when people were kind of first expanding beyond uh, Europe. So I think it's like all of those initial things just require so much capital and you end up having these products that only rich people can use like the first cellular phones but then over time as like more and more people are making things cheaper faster better you end up with everyone being able to kind of afford a phone or we're, we're continuing to progress that way where even people in third world countries can have cellular access because it's getting so cheap uh, and they don't even have like wireless infrastructure so it's a dilemma but i also think like it's it's kind of hard like and if i digress a little bit even with electric cars there were a lot of people who were trying to make electric cars originally that were super cheap and small and it just mm -hmm. never caught off or like it never took off um and then when tesla first came around they started with uh, like a supercar and only rich people could afford it but that allowed them to keep funding the technology where now it seemingly has turned the industry where everyone's making evs now and that just is like a pattern to be aware of as like a inventor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it, it seems to me that you can try to grow a business, make money. There's nothing wrong with making money. The love of the love of people is not wrong. The love of God is not wrong. The love of money is wrong. Um, money is not wrong. 
the love of money is is the problem. Um, so it's not wrong to make lots of money, and people should do that if they're able, as God has gifted. Um, you know, we did the parable of the talents before on this show. So yeah, it's 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 certainly complicated. Um, do you think Jesus would have gone to CES if he lived today? You think he would have spent time? there you think he would have flipped over all the tables and been like you guys are wasting your resources or do you think he would be uh would be a techie yeah no i think i don't know if you would actually have like a platform and talk about innovations and be holding a mic but i think he would be there he loves you know people of you know all different sorts and he would probably reach out to this people group um you know i always think back to people saying you know jesus grew up before he went into ministry as a carpenter um and to do any carpentry you have to know how to use the tools right know how to measure right cut right and put things together so i think he you know had an appreciation for people who are doing that um so maybe a carpentry conference he would have gone to carpentry conference keynote speaker jesus of nazareth you know it'd be pretty pretty cool i'm I'm interested in this idea of Jesus being a carpenter. Um, if you look at the original Greek in Matthew 33, verse 55, you can see that it's it actually talks about Jesus's dad being a carpenter. Um, and, and they say, you know, is this not the son of a carpenter? And normally in that society, like we, it's only in the last 50 years where people don't do what their parents did. So Jesus was likely a carpenter as well. But if you look at that word for carpenter, do you see it there? Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, you don't see it. Um, it's it's T-E-K-T-O-N-O-S, technos. Sounds sounds familiar. The root word sounds familiar to you. It means craftsman or carpenter or an artisan. It, it's a techie. Jesus was a techie. All right. And, and John Dyer, he po- points this out in his book. He talks about how the English term for technology is composed of two Greek words, techne, which means craft, skill, or art, and logia, uh, which is like the systematic study of things. When we talk about theology, we talk about the study of God, the ology of God. And so technology is the study of the industry that Jesus worked in. So Jesus was a techie, but he was obviously for the poor, he was not about gaining power and getting financing in the way that we do today, uh, but he was rather about serving the poor, and he was aided by the philanthropy of women. Um, there's a passage in Luke that talks about that. Rather than him being funded off of you know investors and building a big company, he didn't use his carpentry history in order to build a big portfolio of money. So I don't know. It's it's interesting to think about Jesus being a techie, but then figuring out how he kind of set aside that that job. Not that it was wrong. He never sinned, but he kind of set aside that for when he went into his career in ministry. So yeah, I think like it's interesting when you think about technology because it's often technology in business, right? It's not technology in isolation. So for business, it's like then you have to think about like funding and, and capital to make things happen. And there was a book I read, um, Gospel Patrons, where it did talk about, yeah, like all these people in ministry are not often talked about. There are patrons behind them who like subsidize and pay um, for that ministry to happen. Like even like um, the writing of the KJV. Um, so I think like that's another model that could work as like rather than 
selling to the rich. If you really do want to fund technology for the poor, we need to find like a patron who can allow us to get there. Well, and I guess that's kind of more like open source, right? Like you could work full time in the open source community, be funded through a Patreon account. Um, you know, Henry Zhu, he actually has a podcast himself that um, is called, what is it called? Open source or open? I don't know. Hope in source, hope in source. And he's a Christian who really values, you know, philanthropy and he values working. He sees open source technology. What Can you give a definition of open source technology, Joel? Um, open source, it's like you, like an example. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how does it work? Like for the noobs out there. So there's an open repository or open kind of uh, call it library where people can go and see what other people have done and then add to it and then recommit it back to the community. So in that sense, it's just a community of builders adding on and working with each other and then allowing people to use it under a general license for different applications, not for commercial applications, except on specific conditions. Right. So it'd be like someone in Jesus's day being like, oh man, new design for a hammer guys, check out this thing you put on the back of the hammer. It gets out the nails super easy. And then you, you share that design with people and other people iterate on that design and even say, oh, if we do it like this, it'll even work even better because the fulcrum is here instead of here. And that's shared. Nobody makes money off of it unless people out of their own generosity, give money to those people doing that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Cool. And so that's what that 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 model of ministry, I guess, is what I think Jesus did. I think Jesus had this. Um, it's in Luke. I looked it up, Luke eight, where these women, Joanna, Mary, you know, uh, Susanna, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. So these rich women were ensuring that Jesus could go around proclaiming the good news. And we could also have people who are supported financially to build technology. Um, you know, or be online evangelists or, you know, we, we could think more. It's one of the big things that I think we need to address in North America and Christianity. We are struggling for, for finances. Christianity is seeing less and less people a part of it. So then how are we going to have sources of income and how are we going to encourage a philanthropy to happen? Because the older generations in general are giving more than the younger generations. Our generation is not giving as much as our parents. So it's kind of like this, this, uh, I see there's a real urgency. Tim Keller is, as named it as one of like the, the, well, he named there's eight big things that evangelicalism needs to focus on going forward. And he said, none of it's possible unless we figure out philanthropy. We need to figure that out. And I think about Christians working in tech and I'm like, you're making lots of money. You got to give it away, but how do you give it away? And they're like, is it just to the church or is it to independent missionaries? Like Paul was an independent missionary, but he refused money because he's like, no, I'll build tents. I'll make money on my own. Anyways, it's, it's a challenge and and I'm not going to resolve it on this pod, but I'm just I'm just like blown away by how much money existed in that conference. How much money went into prototyping and failure like to it is a risky venture to try to do a startup. You you often lose a lot of money and don't yeah. see any gains. Yeah, and I think like if even if you look at the stock market, the the biggest companies are all the top 5 are all in tech, right? It used to be 20 years ago is all in energy. 
but now the most lucrative you know industry is technology even with like the recent collapse and stock market compressions i think like technology will still be at the top and so we as christians need to figure out how to be generous with what we have because none of it is our own it is all god's we do not own anything. I try to teach my kids this. I try to teach myself this because I forget it. I think sometimes that my books are my books, but they're not. They're God's books. I think my computer, my microphone, whatever it is, my clothing, you know, it's not that I've made money and therefore now I can go spend it. It's all God's money. And therefore we need to figure out how to work together to steward it well. And that stewardship principle is so important. I think that's like a really good thing to kind of summarize on is like the CES is like the consumer electronic show, right? Which it does give this sense of consumerism, people digesting for their own like personal lives, right? Um, And I think, you know, the way to think about it from a Christian is to realize that none of these things are things you own. They're tools that you can use for a purpose, but it really asks like, makes you wonder where is your heart good well this has been wwjt thank you for listening thank you for supporting us if you want to support us we encourage you maybe we'll get a patreon account one day who knows but for now score score us rate us go on your itunes account or go on your spotify account and rate us give us five stars if you'd like If you don't want to give us five stars, maybe send us an email first and be like, here's why I don't want to give you guys five (laughs) stars. You need to do this on your show. But really that helps, that helps our podcast a lot. It it lets other people know about it. um, And it gives them an understanding of what the podcast is about when you write about it. So please do write a review of what would Jesus tech and, uh, and thank you for listening. Or if you're on YouTube, thank you for watching. My name is Andrew. My name is Joel. Take care. Bye. Oh, and use tech. (laughs) and glorify God and find rest. And, And yeah, okay, okay, bye.